Hi everyone, this is Jeff. And this is Russ. When we first started Home on the RNG, we began it as a series of videos, and we produced quite a few before we realized it really works better as a podcast. Whoops-a-doodle. So we apologize if any of these early episodes have any visually heavy references that don't transfer to the audio medium. Whoops-a-doodle. Thanks for listening. Today, we apparently have another review that Russ and I disagree on. Oh. But it's going to be the opposite direction that it normally is. In the past, when we've had reviews where one of us really likes a game and the other one really dislikes the game, I'm the one who likes it and Russ is the one who hates it. That has... Yeah, I mean, Final it, Fantasy Tactics. And Shining Force. And Shining Force. Every yeah. other game, we more or less agree. Yes. We're usually in the same realm, which I, I guess I like because it tells us, you know, that we're doing, we're right to do this project together, but I think it's probably less exciting to watch when it's just like, yeah, what he said. <laughs> right. But this time is going to be different. Russ, what game did we play this time? We played Lunar 2, Eternal Blue. We played the Sega CD version, uh, like with Lunar 1. There are multiple remakes of this. I don't know how dramatic the changes to the plot and characters the are in the Lunar remakes. Lunar 2 remakes are nothing like the Lunar 1 remake. So if okay. you've played any version of Lunar 2, you've played Lunar 2. Okay. as it is. Yeah. So that said, we're going to go ahead and get started in this decisive review with personal history. Did you mean divisive or divisive? Or did you mean decisive? No, because at the end of this, we're going to decide that I was right and you were wrong. Oh, okay. So, I played this game for the first time. Um, I may have said this in my Lunar 1 review. I played it for the first time on the PlayStation. The PlayStation version was the first one I played. Right when I bought a PlayStation, they had done the Lunar 1 complete... Um, remake on the PS1, so I played that, I loved that, and so I was super excited when the second one came out. Um, so that was my original experience with Lunar 2. I got the, I still have like the, the big box set that has like the manual, like the leather bound manual or whatever, and the map and all of that mess. Oh, and the pendant, it came with a, like a replica of Lucia's pendant, and I still have that somewhere. Um, so yeah, originally played on the PlayStation, and then went back, specifically for this review, this is actually the first time I've played it on the Sega CD, like the original version, um, but like we said in the opener, it's not that different. Um, so yeah, like, like all games, like 99% of the games that we play um, in these reviews, I have played it before, and I'm like the one suggesting these games. And with like so many of the games that we review, I have no personal history with it. Which, again, is the reason for this project. I wanted to play all these games in a genre I like that I'd never played. Um, but if you recall, we played Lunar 1 a while back, and I really enjoyed it. 
In fact, I put it on our on our little roundup as one of the most interesting games, and I described it as a platonic ideal of JRPG, in that it hit all the right notes in the right places, it was a pleasant experience, it wasn't the greatest game I've ever played, it didn't make any top ten list of mine, but it was exactly the experience I'm looking for when I go into a JRPG. So I was really excited about playing the sequel. Yeah. When Hero finds a mysterious girl in a magical tower, he finds himself trying to save the world from an evil being, a being that no one else believes exists due to the machinations of a corrupt church. He is forced to gather friends and try to save a world that denies it's in any danger. That happened to me last Tuesday. <laughs> Honestly, that's a great story. Yeah. Like, sign me up for a story where you're trying to save the world and the world refuses to believe it's in danger. It, it's actually, that part of the story is super well done, and I will give it credit for that. It's, it's a nice story, it's an interesting story. As your character progresses, the whole point of the game is to get to the Holy City. Right. Like, the beginning chunk of the game is just deliver her to the Holy City so she can talk to the goddess and deliver her message. And as you go along, you start to hear rumors of this evil being, but it's mostly like, nobody believes in that, don't be silly. And as you go further and further, you learn a little bit more and more about how the church of the goddess has been corrupted. And it's, that part of it is really well done. I want to play that game. You Instead, did. I played this game. You played that game. Uh, I will give it credit for one other thing that I liked about it before we get into the stuff I really hated about it. And this is going to sound like a silly sentence. It does a really good job of being a sequel. A lot of these JRPGs are sequels in name only. Mm -hmm. Right? No Final Fantasy game has anything to do with the previous Final Fantasy games. The Dragon Quests are loosely connected, but very loosely. This one, even though it's set hundreds of years later, has very strong ties to mm -hmm, the previous right. game. Uh, you visit some of the same places, you see how times have changed, you meet a descendant from one of the original party members, your original characters are now legend and lore in this world. It does a really good job of being a sequel, which you don't see that much in JRPGs. You see loosely affiliated, or you see not at all connected. I hated this game so much. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry you had such a terrible time. You talk about the characters, and then I'm going to get into why I hate it so much. You like the characters. <laughs> We're still I did like the characters. I, li I liked the characters. I liked uh, Hero, Hero, the he Hero, the Hero. That was a really original name. I'm glad that's really original. I liked him because he was just kind of a dude. He's kind of an Indiana Jones. He's just kind of a dude that's interested in archaeology. He's not trying. He's not trying to be the great hero. He just kind of stumbles upon a goddess, you know, from another world. He's not like Alex from the first game, who's trying to be the great. Dra you know, wants to be the great dragon master. Idolizes the great dragon master. He just wants to explore ruins, and then he kind of trips over becoming the legendary hero of the world. Um, I like now. Ron Far is terrible. Ron Far needs to get a little woke. Um, he needs to stop sexually harassing everybody and drinking to a stupor. 
Um, so he's not that great, right? And he's a priest. He's the he's the like he's the disillusion anime priest. trope of like a pre. Uh, he's a priest, but he's like a gambler and a drunk and a womanizer. Because a, he was confronted with the corruption of the church and lost his way. Yeah. So at least at least he has a reason for it. But still, somebody needs to just like punch him in the face, and it happens. But it needs to happen more. Nevertheless, um, and then there's Lamina, the capitalist. <laughs> <laughs> she she wants to revive the magical city of and she's the descendant. She's the descendant of Nia from the first game. Um, who was who was the daughter of like the master of the magical city of Vane. And they're trying to restore their former glory, and Lamina believes that she can do it by charging people exorbitant amounts of money to study in the magic city. Um and then and then there's Jean. And Jean is the best character. Jean is one of my favorite video game characters, period. She's a green-haired dancer. Um, you think that she is just a just a free-spirited dancer in a, in a troop of a trope, troop, 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 troop of traveling performers, and then it turns out that she has this really dark backstory where she was like an abused child, and she was forced to be an assassin when she was like 12 years old. Um, and she's just trying to escape her past, and in the course of the game, she has absolutely the best character arc, where she gets to, like, all of the characters get to travel to different cities around the world and kind of confront their past and grow as people, but Jeans is the one that really resonated with me, because um, she actually completely changes as a character. She changes even her skill set. She changes her outfit and her moves from this dancer to, like, this great martial arts warrior and gets and totally gets like redemption from her dark past she's wonderful she's the character that i love she's absolutely the best and you're leaving out the flying one ruby ruby so ruby is your resident baby dragon um i'm not really sure why they did that again because in the first one there's this like is Nal really a baby dragon or is he some other kind of weird creature, and then they kind of do that again. And Actually, that. in the first one, the idea of him being a baby dragon wasn't even touched until the end, near the end. Most of the game, he's just this weird creature that nobody yeah. explains. He's just a flying cat. There's like one line, there's like one line earlier in that game where he's like, somebody thinks I look kind of like a dragon or something, but then they never approach that again, and they do that like, they I think they pretend that it's a mystery again in this game. To Except she spends the whole game going, I'm a dragon! Yes, and just nobody believes her. But anyway... But, um, but no, I like Ruby. She's a baby red dragon. She has a cute little bow. She has a crush on Hero that is unrequited because he's not a furry. Um, and she... Also, she's like this big, which is uh, a flying <laughs> cat around that big right. is yeah. not really the ideal mate for a human being. <coughs> and every true. time she gets all weird and jealous, I, I have to have those images in my head, which I don't appreciate. Yeah. I do like that she assists you in battle. Yep. She'll breathe she'll breathe a little bit of fire, she'll claw an enemy or whatever. And that's actually kind of a lifesaver. Um early in the game when it's like just Hero and Lucia the goddess that you don't actually get to control in battle. Yeah, that and is interesting. Lucia, who's a messenger of the goddess. But Lucia is in your party for most of the game. There's story chunks where she's not. But she is never controllable. No. She has her own free will. But she does grow in power as the hero does. Right. And I thought that 
I'm not sure. I'm not sold on the idea of one of my main party members for the entire game being completely uncontrollable, but I do like that she grew in power. So I, I'm I'm kind of mixed on her in the in, in mechanically. Mechanically, yeah. Um, and then Leo. Leo is Leo is <laughs> the first half of the game. He's the main baddie. Yeah, he's he's a vi- he's kind of a villain at first, but he's also such a precious boy. I love him so much. He he he. As you're realizing the corruption of the church, he's sort of realizing the corruption of the church in his own because he works for the church. He's the he's the white knight of the white dragon or whatever, and so he's realizing the corruption on his own, and he decides that. Instead of swallowing his pride and just joining up with your heroes and being like, you know what, I was wrong, and now I'm going to help you, he decides to go the tuxedo mask route and just put on a little masquerade mask for one segment of the game and call himself Mystere, as if nobody is going to know who he is. He does that for exactly one segment of the game for yeah. no reason. It's very, and then later he joins your party as a regular person. And it's does. like, who was that mysterious yeah. guy that was just here? That was weird. Which is why he's adorable. So the characters in this game, I'll I'll exclude Gene. Gene is Gene is great. Gene is the most fully realized game this character character this game yeah. has to offer. Yeah. Gene uh, is fun. In another game, she would probably be great. In this game, she's fine, especially compared to who she's around. All the other characters are extremely flat. Hero has no real motivation beyond doing the right thing. He doesn't grow or change as a person, and we're also going to get to something about him in a second. Lamia, is that it, Lamia? Lamina. Lamina. Lamina is the trope of, I'm super acquisitive, I want to own all the things. But it's for a noble purpose. You've seen this character. You've seen this character a million times. It was mildly interesting the first time you saw him. Ron Farr is a womanizer who's got his one true love. Which again is a character we've seen many times and it doesn't work for me. It's the most... Yes, I'm lecherous and I'll, you know, pinch the ass of every woman that walks by. But in my heart is one true love that I must save, or that will redeem me, or if only we'd stayed together, I wouldn't become this lecherous pervert that I am. I have to doubt the authenticity of the one true love, the purity of the love as it's portrayed in the story, because of the kind of person it's coming from. It's coming from a character who, hey, there's a lot of thieves in this city, guard your valuables, and he grabs his crotch. That's not me making a joke. That's part of the game. And that's probably my biggest problem with this game. The first game had a couple of pop culture references that were a little bit jarring, but overall they didn't spoil the, the experience. This one is constant. It can't get its tongue out of its cheek long enough to enjoy the experience. And the worst for me, the moment when I finally was just done with this game, even though I was only halfway through and I had to finish playing the damn thing. But emotionally, I was done with this game at the moment. Leo spends the first half of the game tra- tracking you down. Yeah. And you're trying to avoid him and get to the Holy City so that you can protect Lucia. Lu- Lu- yeah. Lu- Lucia. Lu- Lucia. Lucia. I'm horrible at names. 
he has been told, because he's, he doesn't know it, but he's secretly working for the bad guys, it's the whole corrupt church thing, that Lucia is the destroyer. She has come to destroy the world, when really she's come to save it. Over the course of this chase, he starts to doubt his, himself a little bit. He starts to doubt his bosses. This is part of his transformation. Mm -hmm. So when he does finally capture you and your group, he corners Hero alone and asks, look, you've been traveling with her for a while. Is she really the great destroyer? And you actually have dialogue options. You're speaking as Hero. So this is who Hero is. The answer you give is who Hero is. And your options are, yes, she is, which is obviously the incorrect answer, or only once a month. His friend is about to be executed for being the Great Destroyer. There is a glimmer of hope that she will not be killed by the bad guy. Because the bad guy opens up and says, look, level with me here. And at the moment when he can potentially save not just his friend's life, but the world, he makes a joke about her period. <laughs> that is this game. That is your hero. <laughs> that is the game. The story, as I laid it out, is a fantastic story. Full of drama and potential. But when you're making a farce of yourself, you waste the potential of the story. If you just wanted to do this ridiculous, often raunchy... And you know what? I played Leisure Suit Larry. I, I like raunchy humor. But just like all humor, there's good and there's bad. And this is all bad raunch when it happens. It's not clever. It's not funny. Protect your valuables huh, is not funny. It's just dumb. Making a period joke. But that's the thing. You're not supposed to think about, you know, her life is on the line. The stake of the world is on the line. No. You're just supposed to go, her period. She bleeds from her vagina. <laughs> I have never been more afraid of you right now than I have ever been in my whole life. That's the tone of the game. Yeah, it is. And it means I can't seriously invest myself in the game if the game won't seriously invest in itself. You have really strong opinions about this. This, the period joke was for me the final straw, but it is not the only example. I don't want you to think I'm hanging my entire hatred of this game on the one example. It is constant throughout. And then that one was the peak. The movie opens in a very Dukes of the Hazard feeling style. Like the hero gets falls into a dungeon and gets chased around by monsters while a voiceover basically says, whoops, looks like I found myself in a big mess again. Let me tell you how this happened to me. <laughs> the game refuses to ever take itself seriously. And I would be fine with that. I like comedy, but they have so much potential here for a really good story. And that's what I meant by, I wish I could play this game. Because that story is unlike anything I've seen before. That hero's journey is unlike any game I've played. And I would like to try to save a world that denies it's in danger. Final Fantasy X. Final Fantasy X knows it's in danger from sin. But it doesn't know what sin is. No, but you're, you're widely acknowledged as the heroes who are on a journey to save the world. In this one, 
the hell are you talking about? The world doesn't need saving. We're fine. Everything's fine. Why don't you stop trying and just go home? And that's interesting. It's different. But we don't get to do that. We get hit. <laughs> she bleeds from the veg. Please stop saying that. So that's why this is. <laughs> we're gonna get I into love, the other. I love your impassion. I, you're as passionate about this as I was about Final Fantasy Tactics. It's because it's a waste is, of a really good story. Yeah. It is thrown away. The characters, except for Jean, Jean's fine, but the characters are flat. I found Ruby grating because of that constant hands off my man nonsense. Like, maybe that was cute once, but really, you're pushing the bestiality angle a little too hard. <laughs> like... You have to wonder who on the development team was really into Ruby and Hero. Yeah. They they accented all the wrong notes. It's like they they couldn't speak English because they were accenting the wrong parts of every single word they said. Okay. And it's just there's so much potential here and it missed. It missed every opportunity it had to be a great game. We've got other sections to get I'm into. I'm sorry. But my problems with the other sections aren't that bad. This story and characters is where my problems with this game lie. And that's why I'm talking about it so much here. Because the rest of this review, I think Russ and I will probably get along with just fine. But for me, this is where it died. This is, this is where the game was just a waste of my time. Because just beyond this pane of glass was a great experience I could have been having, and I couldn't get at it. Anyway. Did you want to say something? I don't think I could follow up on any of that, so... But thank you for your impassioned speech. This game really pissed me off. <laughs> a lot. And then I had to keep playing it. Yeah. Anyway, next up is Combat System. Combat... is fairly similar to the last game where your characters have multiple moves and multiple attacks based on who they are and what they've got equipped uh, and they move actively across a battlefield it it looks pretty much identical to the previous game in terms of just mechanics yeah uh, as you mentioned ruby actually can participate though she can uh, if an enemy has three hit points left she will swoop in breathe fire on them and kill them if an enemy has one hit point left, she will swoop in and claw it and kill it. Uh, I think I read somewhere online, and I never tried to do this, but if you can maneuver an enemy so that it can't move to get to you, say you throw a couple of your companions and their corpses block it in, uh -huh. eventually Ruby will just kill the thing. Oh, interesting. I never took advantage of that, but apparently that's a thing. Uh, when you die in this game, after the battle, you're resurrected with one HP. Mm -hmm. This is... I don't know, this happens about half of the JRPGs, right? They either, you need an item to bring them back to life, or they'll just resurrect on their own. Here's one where you can laugh at me. Okay. There are two types of XP earned in this game. There's regular XP, which levels you up mm -hmm. as you accumulate it. And then there's magic XP, which you use to level up your spells. Right. 
which I didn't realize until I was more than halfway through the game. <laughs> I was so a, you were struggling a little bit. You know, surprisingly not that much. Okay, yeah. But yeah, you have to actually <laughs> go into Ruby's character menu. Uh-huh. And then from Ruby's character menu, you can spend the magic XP you've accumulated to level up your spells. I was a little more than halfway through the game before I realized I could do that. Because the game gave you no hint, no yeah, clue, no. apart from the fact that I was accumulating this magic XP and I didn't know where it was. But you also use that magic XP to save the game. Why? Why? Do we have... <laughs> it's, like, it's like picking up an ink ribbon. In a JRPG... Right. Why on earth would you require a limited resource to save the game? These are long... No JRPG is meant to be played in a single setting. Well, I mean... Saving a game is part of the experience. Yeah, it really is. You, you want to save before boss fights, and you want to save when you're done playing for the day. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have enough magic XP because you just leveled up your spells and... Jeff, can you take out the garbage? As a little kid, right? <laughs> right. Well, I can't save the game until I, I... I gotta do five more fights, Mom, so I can be able to save the game. That's the most... Uh, I have one yeah. I have one last note, but do you want to talk about the combat system? I mean, it's pretty much the same as the first one. I, um... I, It is eloquent. I liked I liked the ability to level up your abilities, and it, it made it more um, it made it more simplistic than the first one. I mean, in the first Lunar, I ended up just having a lot of like in like in all RPGs, you end up having a lot of skills and crap you just don't use, you know. But leveling, being able to level up your skills, kind of prevents that a little bit. In this one, though, boss fights were so boring. But in the first one, boss fights were so boring. Because the mechanic of any boss fight in this one is all four of your characters have the exact same thing they do in every boss fight. Yeah. Hero always uses Poe Sword, which is the first ability he learns. Now, it's nice that the abilities ramp up as he does, Mm -hmm. so that his first ability isn't outclassed, because that's what happens in a lot of JRPGs, is you've got like five abilities from the beginning of the game that you never use because they're useless now. But also... Every round of every boss fight, your hero uses the same ability. Every round of every boss fight, Lamina? Lamina uses the same ability. Ron Farr uses the same ability. Like, you get to a boss fight and it's just like, alright. That's when you just put on some music. Down, down, A, over, 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 A, down, down, A. Down, down, A, over, 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 A, down, down, A. (laughs) And you jam. And you just jam. Because this game already made me feel like it was wasting my time. And then I had boss fights where all I did was hit the same sequence of buttons over and over and over again until I won. innovations. This game was so innovative. Um, it, it did do some things. It did do some things. The, I guess probably the most 
innovative, I don't know if that's the right word, but the most weird thing about it was the fifth party member that you have who is non-controllable. You spend 75 to 80% of the game with Lucia. Lucia, Lucia, I don't even know how Lucia you Lucia works for me. Lucia. So you play, so you spend most of the game with Lucia, and she has a mind of her own. So she just, she's your fifth party member. Her HP scales with Hero's HP, and then she has no MP. She unlimited so, MP. Uh, yeah, unlimited MP. So she, I mean, she is a messenger of the goddess or whatever. So she just, um, and she just does whatever she wants. She tends to take priority on healing Hero, is what I found. That seems to be like her number one priority. She's got some great attack spells. And then, yeah, she can. She if can, she'll do them. Right. But sometimes she'll spend a turn just going, oh. Yes. And it and that's what's funny, too, is it's like, I mean, it's frustrating at times because you're like, why don't you use this amazing spell and just wipe out these monsters? But then it's interesting because I feel like she just protects herself more at the beginning of the game when she doesn't know you. It's like you're watching her personality grow and you're watching her become more human. You're watching her become more attached to these companions that she's traveling with so at first she's just going to defend herself she's going to like maybe use the spell if she's attacked or whatever and then by the time you by the time the girls take her out shopping and dress her in another outfit then she's like grown more accustomed to you so she's going to heal you more she's going to protect other characters more and she's going to attack more she's going to attack more exactly so that was a bit that was an interesting mechanic that i haven't i can't think of any other game off the top of my head where you have like this AI controlled party member for so much of the game. For so much of the game, and they're like growing. <laughs> yeah. As you. No, that's as you move on. That's very fair. Um, I only have one negative thing in innovations, and it's not really that negative. Just mazes. This game yeah. loves mazes. N almost no dungeon is straightforward. <laughs> Every dungeon is a even. I gotta get down to the lower level of this ship is a maze to get through the ship. Yeah. Um, it does a little thing that I like that I've addressed before where if you equip a different weapon then the character actually uses a different looking weapon mm -hmm. in combat. It's a tiny touch, but I actually like that a lot. And for a, such an old game, that's a that's an impressive impressive touch. Uh, all of all of status effects like poison and whatnot just heal themselves immediately after battle. I, I like it in games study that. Love it. Yeah. Um, there are no inns. Most towns and dungeons have a statue of the goddess that will restore your health and mana. And, and what I... I was just going to say, the church charges you for it. Yeah, <laughs> if it's a church-controlled one, they'll yes. charge you for it. Uh, it you won't, you won't even know that you're getting charged until after you use it, <laughs> and then it's like, by the way, that cost you money. <laughs> so, I mean... You can see the church corruption coming. Yeah, I from mean, miles away. But uh, what's interesting to me, I, I, I connected this in my head, and I don't know if it was intended or not. But do you remember how you restored health and magic in the first game? Mm -hmm. What was it? On the world map. Yeah. In the little st the stones. What are the statues made out of? What are the statues made out of? The statues in two are made out of stones. Oh. In the first game, there were stones that you touched that healed you. Right. Yeah. So I, in my head, I just decided that's what they did, is they gathered these healing stones and they carved them into statues of the goddess. It's the same stones. Well, that's a cute little way to think about it. Everything that. else that this game does to tie it to the previous game, that just made sense to me. 
We used to go around and touch stones to heal ourselves. Now we're touching statues to heal ourselves. Yeah, right. So in my head, I decided they're connected, because why not? Uh, one thing I often complain about is in games is when you're buying equipment, if a game doesn't tell you that what you're buying is better than what you already have and who can equip it, that drives me nuts. And this game actually has a very interesting way of letting you do that. When you're shopping, all of your characters are shown up in a line up here. And they, they turn their backs if their inventory is full. They stand still and don't move if they can't equip a weapon. And they have a walking animation if they can't equip the weapon or armor. Then, if it's better than what they have, they take a step forward. Hey, that's, that's better. And if it's worse than what they have, they take a step back. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, at a glance, yeah. I can very easily tell I need to buy this armor for him, him, but not her. It was just, it's a very subtle, very easy way yeah. to communicate, I guess, what has turned out to be more complicated than I thought, because it's not in very, it's not in, in those a lot of games, games. It's not in a lot of them, no. Um, and there was one other interesting thing I encountered by accident, and maybe this never even happened to you, because mm -hmm. it's not that common. If you tell a character to heal somebody, and the character they're supposed to heal dies before their heal turn comes mm -hmm. up. Okay. Instead of casting Cure on some other random party member or skipping the turn, AI takes over that character for that turn. And they'll walk up and attack, or they'll cast something else. Basically, AI controls the character if their spell can't hit the target anymore. Well, that's handy. I, I, I didn't realize that. I've never seen that, that before. Yeah. Like, if they're trying to hit an enemy that's not there anymore, they'll just aim for a different enemy. Uh, and that's fine. That's what yeah. we expect. But if you're trying to heal somebody who dies, the game just says, okay, don't worry. I'll have them do something useful. And they do something else. That is innovative. That's a true Yeah, thing. that was that was different. That was weird. I liked that. Uh, and then I also had the thing we already talked about that saving costs you a, a resource. Yeah. But I feel like we harped on that enough. Right. So, unless you've got something else you want to talk about, no. we'll move into music. Music. Tell us about the music, Russ. Yeah, so now we're going to talk about the music with all of our knowledge that we're going to draw from our years of experience playing for orchestras and in our... I was in band. In our punk metal band. I was in band, too. I played the oboe. Did you really play the oboe? I did. Did I not know this oboe? Okay. I played the oboe, and then I played percussion and marching band, because double reed instruments, I, oh, like oboe and bassoon, yeah. do not march. Right. Only single reed instruments. I feel do. like I knew that you played percussion, but not that you played the oboe. I played the trumpet for two years. Did you do marching band? No, I was, it was in middle school, uh, so we didn't get to marching band yet. I played oboe for five years? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So we have a lot of experience, is what we're trying to say. We're musical geniuses. Yeah, musical geniuses. So, so who was the composer the for composer Lunar 2? The composer for Lunar 2 was Noriyuki Oedare. Um, he composed Lunar... He, I assume. He... Anyway. <laughs> I, I believe I believe he... Iwadare-san um, composed <laughs> Lunar 1 and uh, the Ace Attorney series, apparently, and won awards for composition on Grandia and Grandia 2, which actually really makes sense because the music is similar. I mean... Just, yeah, I can I can see that. I hate to pull this card out because it's the only musical card I usually pull out, but it's like, 
the music did its job here. Yeah. It didn't stand out to me. It didn't call my attention to it. Right. Which, for somebody who's musically illiterate like I am, that's kind of my best case scenario. I guess my best case scenario is if, if it actually draws my attention to it and it's amazing. Yeah, right. But typically, what I'm hoping for in a game is that the music is successful at conveying moods and keeping energy going without drawing my attention to it and without being too repetitive or falling flat. Yeah, it didn't stand out to me, which is a high bar. I mean, it, it's usually Square Enix um, stuff that the music stands out to me, but I guess it was effective. It worked. It worked um, for what it was. Yeah. That's music. <laughs> <laughs> so, so on our next episode, are we going to have like a... We should like play one of the songs on the oboe and the trumpet. I don't have an oboe. Do you still have a trumpet? My mom has my trumpet. Yes. I, I don't have an oboe, but maybe if anybody <laughs> ever wanted to hear an oboe trumpet duet. An oboe trumpet duet of we'll do that. We'll do an oboe trumpet duet for of one winged angel. <laughs> right? right? It's gonna be perfect. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on to final thoughts. Jesus. Jeff wants me to defend this game from all of his very strong arguments on why he despised it. Um, but after listening to them, I don't really feel like I can, because I, I do see where he's coming from, and I do agree. I do agree that the characters were flat, um, in terms of growth. Except you know? for Gene! Except for Gene, indeed. Gene, Gene really was an amazing character, but I understand what he means that the characters didn't grow, and I understand that the that the story did not take itself seriously enough. Um, and I know him, and I know that that's what he you know loves about about games and and the exploration of all of these old RPGs is the story and the characters. Um, I still think the game was fine. I think it was fine for what it is. I think it's maybe the kind of game that you just you put on a podcast or you listen to some music and you just sort of mindlessly play it. it. It harkens back to what we were talking about with the boss battles, where each of your characters just kind of do the same action every turn. It's not something that you have to put a lot of thought into um, in terms of gameplay. Um, I, still liked, I still liked the story and characters more than he did, but I understand that none of them were, you know, great, original, inspired masterpieces or anything like that. Um, so I'm going, I'm going to give the game a B, which I think is just absolutely average. Um, and I think that's a, that's a good, um, that is a good description of the game, is absolutely average. Would I recommend it? Not necessarily. Maybe if you want just something to busy your hands with while you're listening to your favorite podcast or song, that's the way that I would recommend this game. So I think my opinion has been fairly clear, and I'm going to try to avoid retreading the same ground over and over again. I am, by and large, into story and characters. That is my appeal for any game, really, but JRPGs in particular. The reason this project was started was because JRPGs have the potential for so much story, and I wanted to experience all these different stories. Now, not all stories are great, and not all stories are the focus of a game. The reason I get so mad at this one is because it had a great and unique story that it wouldn't let me get to. That I, I felt like I was being taunted with something new and different 
but the game wouldn't get out of my way to let me add it. Gene, again, was fine. Uh, another complaint, though, is if your characters are going to be flat, if they're not really going to grow and change and evolve, then don't make me spend the entire game with the same set of characters. I expect less character development in a game like, say, Final Fantasy IV, where your cast is constantly rotating as you go through it. Right? Yeah, if I'm not spending 20 hours with a character, it's okay for them to have a little bit less of a detailed character history. But no, you spend the entire game with the same party members, and three of them are completely generic. Womanizer with a heart of gold, gold digger with a heart of gold, hero with a heart of gold. Jean's story actually was nuanced and had details and variation. She was it, though. And then those character stories all... As you play through it and you get to the resolve of their individual stories, it's like taking off a box, right? Okay, cool, we finished up Ron Farr's story, so next we're going to finish off Lamina's story. Okay, cool, and then we're going to finish off Jean's story. There's, there's actually a segment of the game where all four of the dramatic people from their story are in the same town, and you have to go one by one, like, okay, let's advance her story a little bit, let's advance his story a little bit, her story, his story, great, now we can go on. Um, so yeah, to me, I wouldn't care so much if the potential story hadn't been so great. If story hadn't been the main focus of the of the game, um, but the fact that they wiggled this amazing story in front of me and then didn't do anything with it made me feel like I was wasting my time. C minus. This goes on my list of games I'm never going to play again. I'm not happy about it, but I'm not happy about anything around this game. So there you go. So Russ, if they want to play the game, where can they get it? They can, they can, um, they can get it on Sega CD. There were remakes on the PlayStation. Or on PlayStation, and that's it. I, I think I, Lunar One, Lunar One has had an extreme number of remakes. Lunar Two has not. Uh, I feel like we're missing some, but I can't think of them off the top of my head. Lunar Two is not always called Lunar Two. In fact, it's usually just called Lunar Eternal Blue. Right. Google search. And if you want to play it for some reason, uh, if you really like jokes about women's periods, you can find it. So, next week, we are playing... I think I picked next week's game. We are playing... You did, didn't you? Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. Another review that it looks like we're not going to agree on. That sounds fun. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Our next adventure lies before us. Home on the RNG is a presentation of Mad Centaur Productions. You can find Jeff on youtube.com slash centaurproductions or on Twitter at Jeff Centaur. You can find Russ on Twitter at RussMac25. Thank you for listening, and remember, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this podcast with you.
Ashai, I am. Which one are we doing first? What are we doing first? Lunar 2. So the best one. Just let me know when you feel ready. I feel pretty. Oh, so pretty. And pretty and shiny and new. You're not going to bother me. Just let me know when you're ready. It's not going to get to me. I'm not going to put my head in my hands and shake my head like I normally do. I'm just going to sit here reviewing my notes until you let me know that you're ready to be an adult and begin the review. I'm going to talk like Charlie Brown's teacher the whole time. Well, but it's going to be a rather one-sided argument about how awful in R2 is, isn't it? And nobody will be here to speak in its defense. Okay, I'm ready. Are you sure? Okay. 